we're in the series uh, called What If the Church? And, and if you've not been with us for a while or if you've not been here, maybe you're for the first time today, um, we're asking the question like, what if the church and something biblical that we think that God has called the church to do or to be, that's what we have been seeking in this series we've been studying from God's word. And, and uh, we believe that Jesus had a very intentional purpose for his church. Uh, I think sometimes we approach church like um, as if it's God's afterthought for his kingdom. Do you know what I mean? Like God created everything, man sinned, God sent Jesus to pay for our sins, that's all true. Jesus died, was raised from the dead to prove he was God, blessed us, sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us, but then that's the story. And the afterthought is this whole thing called church. But scripture is filled with God's desire for this time for his people. He had an intention for his church, not an afterthought. It's always been the way God's interacted with his people. He's always had a plan and a purpose for his people. And so what we've been trying to do is ask, well, what is God's plan and purpose for the church? Meaning Family Bible Church, but meaning the Big C Church, meaning parachurch ministries, meaning Christians throughout the world. What is his intention? And we've been talking about some of those things um, the last few weeks. The first thing I wanted to share with you, I'm going to try this one more time. Huh? No, technology. Okay, can you push that one more time for me? Oh, yeah, awesome. We're going to share. I want to share this with you because this, this final word in Matthew, you should know this verse. Like, this should be a verse, like, with John 3.16, it's on your hearts all the time that you know it. You should know more scripture all the time. But this verse um, is awesome because Jesus speaks specifically to what he is intending to do through disciples. And so I just want to share it with you this morning. It says, Jesus speaks and he says, therefore, and I'm going to explain it, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. First of all, the therefore is there because Jesus says, I'm always going to be with you. Let's not miss that. But in his promise to always be with us, he says there's two major ways. First of all, look what it says. He tells his disciples, that's who he's talking to, to go and make disciples. That's the, the mission of the church, disciples making disciples. It wasn't an afterthought. Last week, we talked about how God says, you'll do more powerful things with me, Jesus says, at God's right hand than if I stayed with you, which is crazy because if you see Jesus, you go, how can we do more powerful stuff without you here? But that's what his word says. I'm going to be a father, and it'll be better for you because of that. And he tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, two primary ways. First is baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you have a Baptist background? Anybody? Baptists? It's okay. You can raise your hand. There you go. In church. <laughs> See, you raise your hand in church. Praise God. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, the charismatics are happy, right? Who, who was raised in a charismatic church? Yeah, that's right. Look how fast those hands go up. Just a few of you here, though. Who must have scared all the charismatics off? Okay. Well, you know... Baptizing in the Father, it means to immerse the people of God in the presence of God, this acknowledgement all the time. It means, and we believe in Family Bible, an immersion baptism. We certainly believe that's part of our witness to the world, but we believe that it's being surrounded. You know, the worship this morning was like being dipped in Christ, being dipped in the Holy Spirit, being reminded of our call as the people of God. That's the first thing, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the second way he says to do it is this, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Jesus said that. Teach disciples to, to obey everything I have commanded. And today we're going to talk about a major thing that Jesus commanded his people to do, and that's to love others. 
to love others. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we enter into God's word that he would reveal himself. It is inspired, holy scripture, and he can inspire us to understand it. Please join me in praying this morning. Father God, we've come into your house to sing your praises, your glory. You are worthy of all praise. Every person, being, creature on this planet returns glory to you, should be returning glory to you, Father. Forgive us for the times that we don't do that. Help us to do it more effectively. I pray, Father God, that if nowhere else in our lives we can set this side apart, this time apart for you to work in our lives, clear our minds and our hearts of the junk that's in our way, and just help us to draw near to you today. May you inspire us to understand your word through your Holy Spirit. May we be drawn near to Jesus Christ today and his purpose for our lives, and may we glorify you in this time. I pray that the, the things we learn will not be man's, teachings, but right from you. That's what we desire today. Teach us in our spirit, Father, who you'd have us to be. And we'll give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, so we're going to go ahead and grab a Bible. If you don't have one this morning, and turn to Matthew 22. Go ahead and push that slide for me, Eli, if you could. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. I'm just going to read this first, and we're going to talk through it. Okay, I'll give you a second to get there. It's on page 692 of our Bibles. If you're using one of ours, you can check it out there. This is what the word says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees then got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Bear with me, but I want to keep reading. 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus then asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He then said to them, how is it that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord, because he says, the Lord said to my Lord, set at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And look at this last sentence here. And from that day on, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. (laughs) Right? I mean, I just wanted to put that last bit in there because the, the wild thing is we can, you may have heard that verse about loving, your, your, loving God and loving others, right? You've probably heard that if you've been in church world for a while. But here, the, the Pharisees came to test Jesus, to, to, to catch him in some kind of a, of a, of a trick or, or a, a conundrum. And I love it because this is what Jesus does is he turns everything on its head, right? Maybe you're like me and you've tried to test Jesus before. And, and when you get there, Jesus tests you. That's what happened to the Pharisees. This is while they were still there, Jesus said, hey, by the way, answer me this. And he asked a profound question about who the Messiah is. Many times whenever we come into church, we come into a, a worship gathering like this, we, we are, our, our critical radars are up, you know, and we're looking for the, the trick or the trap, or we're going to catch, you know, someone in a lie or a deceit or whatever. But here's the, huh, here's the real interesting thing about life in the church. Jesus is in charge. 
I've had people say to me before, man, you know, today it was, it was just for me. It was, you know, I walked in there. I had one dude say that he don't like coming because he always feels convicted. I'm not saying that's not me. That's God. If, if you leave here today and you hear something else somewhere else and you go tomorrow and you hear it the third time, the fourth time, that's not us. That's God. And maybe you've come today to test Jesus, but maybe Jesus is going to test you. Well, that's an interesting thing. Who, this is still a profound question. Who is the Messiah, he asked? Is he a man or is he more? Is he David's son or is he more? And what Jesus teaches is that your religion, your religion will not get you there. All right, so picking up in verse 37, I want you to see this. Jesus believes that God commands us to love others. That's what Jesus believes. He believes, teaching us this, he believes that God commands us to love others. Look at what it says in verse 37. The greatest, the first and greatest command, he says, it's in 38, the first and greatest command, but then go back to 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This comes from Deuteronomy 6, 5, I believe. It's, it's in the Shema. The Shema is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And it's this thing where we say, listen, people of God, hear today the truth. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. It's, it's this whole enveloping reality that we live in. We're called to love God with everything we have. And when Jesus is asked, okay, Jesus, here's the trick question. What's the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment, he believes, is to love God. And you go, okay, well, of course. But I mean, who does that with everything you have? Every moment, every breath, every thought, who lives their life that way? And he says, this is the greatest command in Scripture, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. It's funny because the, the next part here, he says, is in verse 38, or verse 39, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, and we've heard this, so we, we get this little catchphrase, love God, love others, right? Love God and love other people. It's like the second command. It's, 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 almost, it's like part, you know, 1B or something, you know what I mean? It's just that close to the most important thing, but not quite, you know? And, and I love it because this is in Matthew's gospel, but in Luke's gospel, the same question is asked of Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. The guy says it, not Jesus, and then the guy says, uh, um, love your neighbor as yourself, and, and, or Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, and the guy says, then who's my neighbor, right? I mean, give me a parameter on this. That's what happens in the Gospel of Luke. We're not going to turn there, but that's, in, that's a, found in Luke if you want to check it out. Um, it's, it's a great thing. Where, what is the, how, Jesus, how far do we have to go to love people? I mean, give me some offense around it. Give me some limit I want to say one more thing, and then we're going to jump around a minute. Jesus is teaching who here? The Pharisees, isn't he? You see, it says when he had stumped the Sadducees, they didn't believe in resurrection. He stumped them. Then the Pharisees came to him. He's teaching the Pharisees this truth. All the law and the prophets, he says. Now, those dudes knew the law and the prophets. And he says, all the law and the prophets hang on those two commands. That's what he tells the Pharisees. And you might be like me, and I hope you are like me, because you go, I'm not a Pharisee, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not a Pharisee, so he maybe ain't talking to me. 
when he says, love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself? And you'd be right. He was speaking to the Pharisees. I want to share with you what he actually um, spoke uh, to his disciples. Flip back with me a few uh, chapters to Matthew 5. I think I have it up here as well. Matthew 5, a few verses here I want to run through with you. So, So when Jesus is kind of, you know, correcting the Pharisees, that's what he does. But when Jesus is talking to his disciples, people like you and me who are trying to follow him every day of our lives, this is what he says. You have heard it said in verse 43, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard it said, love your neighbor? Anybody? Hands? Some of you are not participating today. (laughs) I just said it to you. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Did you hear me say that a minute ago? So you've been told now. Jesus said, he said, maybe you've heard it said, love your neighbors, right? But look at part B there, and hate your enemies. I'll just say a little caveat here. We have a tendency to take things that Jesus says and add our own yeah buts on the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, love your neighbor, but not that guy, right? I mean. Love your neighbor, but not evil people. Love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. It's a saying that they had heard and that Jesus kind of called them out on it. And look at what he says. You know what's coming. This is crazy talk, though. He says in 44, but I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, now we have a bigger problem than the, the, the guy um, in Luke who asked us, who's my neighbor? Because now you're beyond just loving, you know, your neighbors and all that. You're, now Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you this, love your enemies. That's the truth. Jesus teaches his disciples to love everyone, including their enemies, or maybe even especially their enemies. Jesus, this isn't, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know this, but he kind of amps everything up a little bit. He says, you've heard this rule, here's the new rule, you know? And we think that he's talking to the Pharisees, but he's talking to disciples there, people like you and me that go, okay, you know, we sang that song that said, um, you won't relent until you have it all, right? But that's true. Because we get satisfied, and we're like, you know what? I got this. I'm good. I love my neighbor. He's right there. I've been doing good with that Jesus, and I'm you know, loving my kids finally. I'm loving my wife finally, and we're doing good. And then Jesus says, yeah, but there's more. There's more. You might be sitting here today, and you're thinking, I'm doing everything, everything Jesus is asking me to do. Well, that's tough. Jesus goes on, I want you to hear what he says here, okay? That you may be like sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise in the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and unrighteous. Verse 46, I love this. If you love those who love you, what good is that for you? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what good is that? What good are you doing more than others? Do not pagans do that. I want to walk, just unpack that for a minute. What he's saying is you might go, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm loving my neighbor. I love people at my country club. I love people that are in my Bible study. I love people that are in my carpool. I love people at the office that I work with. And he goes, so what? So what? 
join any social club and they'll all love each other in some way, right? We're all the same. Hey, come on, guys. Here's the great thing about the church. We're not like them. <laughs> no, I mean it. Like, we're going to go to Honduras and the great thing about the church is we're not like them. I mean, what did Chris say? They're poor. They're children. We're not like them. Right? Oh, but we love each other, don't we? Because you're just like me. And Jesus says, yeah, but that's not the standard. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, I say love your enemies. What? Jesus, with hard teaching, why should we do this? Listen to what he says. So that you would be sons of your Father in heaven. I mean, this is a standard. If you don't believe me, look at the last thing. So that you can be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's pretty close. I just made that up. Here it is. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I didn't make it up, but I just did it from memory. Praise God, right? Getting old. <laughs> Forget stuff sometimes. You misquote scripture. You got to read it. Be perfect. All right. So I go, great. Jesus, what's this love look like? Well, I'm going to share it with you. Push that next slide. This is a great little verse in case you're wondering how you love your enemies. This is a great little verse. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13. If you've forgotten what love looks like, look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You can just remember it all the time, what love looks like. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Push that next slide for me. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. And the last one, it's a great verse of scripture, love never fails. Love never fails. Go back one for me, Eli, if you would. So that's great. So that's what love looks like. And maybe you've heard that verse, mostly at weddings. I usually share it at a wedding, it seems, if people want to hear it at weddings. Um, the hard thing is, I, I can't even love my, love my wife like that. And Jesus says, love your enemies like that. So let's do a little exercise. Right? Um, so putting all this together, Jesus says, you are to be patient with your enemies. You are to be kind to your enemies. You are to not envy. Anybody envy their enemies? I mean, how many of you have enemies because you envy them? <laughs> you know, that's how they're on your list because they have what you're supposed to have. Not called to envy them. We're not called to boast over them. Highland Triad game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anybody see that? They're not our enemies. They're like us, but I'm saying, right? Boasting. We're not to be rude to our enemies. Oh, Jesus, listen to what the list says. We're not to be self-seeking when we're looking at our enemies. We're not to be easily angered when our enemies are facing us. Not easily angered. This is what the definition of love is. Perfect love. No record of wrongs, not delighting in evil. 
and rejoicing in the truth. Boy, there's a tough one. How many of you believe, and this is a funny thing, but how many of you believe that when you show up, God can teach you truth through someone that you think is, has nothing to offer? They're God's people. He made them. We're called to love them. It's ridiculous. I'm just telling you straight up, it's crazy that we're called to do that. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbors but hate your enemies. And I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's a high calling in the church to love our enemies. And, I don't, and push that one more time through. None of this stuff adds up to me. Push that next slide for me, Eli, if you would. This doesn't add up. How, how does loving our enemies protect us? How does loving our enemy build trust or hope or perseverance or never failing. Because that seems completely opposite to what we're told to do with our enemies, which is to hate them, to fight them, to resist them, to punish them, whatever we can do to win. This is what he says we're called to do. I'm going to finish up back in that same verse, okay? And we're going to talk about something we already talked about, but this is wild. So maybe you're like me, and you've heard Jesus answer this way to the Pharisees. The first command is love God with everything you have, and the second command is to love others. But the wild thing here is that in the Greek, that word same, mean, that word um, uh, likewise, I think, NIV says, it means the same. It means the, it's the same. It's the same thing. That doesn't add up for me. Let's do an anger awareness exercise, if you will. I want you to take a moment. This is what I did a long time ago with some folks visually, but we don't have visual stuff today. But I want you to think about the person right now in your life that you hate the most. Just bring them to mind, whoever it is, and you know there's some evil people in the world, and you just, you just have this, and you might even say, you might be a Christian all the time, you can say there's self-righteous anger, okay? You can do that with me. But just say there's this person, and then I want you to imagine them, and then I want you to begin to take out all of your pain on them. One time I had some students in a room, and we had this, I said, draw a picture. I gave them all a little thing. I said, draw a picture of the person you hate the most, and they, they drew the picture. You know, it was really, uh, you know, crazy drawings. And then I said, and then get out your anger, and they took, like, scissors and pencils, and they stabbed the face of the person. They're so angry. They hate them so much. And then after the exercise is over, I said, now take the person off and get rid of them, and there was an image of Jesus. Because you see, that's what he taught. In Scripture, it says on that day, people will say, Lord, when did we see you? And he says, when you saw the least of these, you saw me. Where did I encounter you in my life? And he says, it was in the eyes of those you thought were the furthest from me. How did you treat me? Did you love me? Did you care about me? Did you clothe me? Did you pray for me? The truth is that this is consistent. <laughs> the way we treat those around us speaks more about what we believe about God and the gospel in Jesus Christ than anything else. And I don't know if you're like me, but that gives me pause. That gives me pause in my life. 
in the letter that John wrote, he says, how can you love God if you don't love your brother? And then the church would go, yeah, but he meant brothers in the church. It's okay. We just love each other in church, right? If you've been in church for a long time, that's hard to do. <laughs> Jesus said this. I'm gonna, this is the last slide. Push that two ahead, Eli, for me. This is what Jesus said. I remind you, he said, teach them to obey everything I commanded. In the Gospel of John, he said this. A new command I give to you. Love each other as I have loved you. As I have loved you, that's how you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As I have loved you, the truth is this. You and I can't muster 1 Corinthians 13 love no matter how hard we grunt or try. We can't do it on our own. But the gospel is this, because God loved us, we can love others. Because we have been forgiven much, we can forgive others. And maybe, maybe even love our enemies. As we, as we pray, I'm going to ask this question. What if that is the only way forward for you? What if the only hope you have is to believe Jesus and do the crazy things he says, which is to love those who hate you? Pray with me if you would. Father God, today we've come here and we've heard your truth and it seems too great for us. How can we live this out? And, and maybe, Father, there are those of us here today whose hearts are filled with hate and anger and rage. And maybe even today, Father, that hate and anger and rage is aimed at you because we've been mistreated in this life or we've had things go wrong or people have been unloving and unkind and uncaring and they've been our enemies and therefore we take it out on you. And yet we know that your gospel says that you so loved us. For those hearts that are so wounded today, I pray that your love would immerse and permeate every rip and tear and heal them, saturate them in your love that they would know you completely and more fully. And Father, for those of us who have received your love and maybe right now someone just said, Jesus, I want you to save me and they know your love, may that begin to transform us into a people who would obey what Jesus commanded us to do May you guide us and lead us into dangerous waters, dangerous places where we would dare to love people who are not like us in any way. We want more of you and less of our sin, more of you and less of our own misguided ways. We want to find grace and hope and love and healing. And we'll do whatever it takes, whatever you command to get there. May you be glorified, Father, as your people follow you. May you be glorified as we worship your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.